Is it that time of the month? Are you looking for a product that can handle even the toughest of flows? With our newest model of telekinetic Tampax, you can stay protected no matter what. You won't need to pray for protection. We've got you covered with everything to spotting to pig's blood. Say goodbye to embarrassing leaks and make sure your prom night is one to remember with telekinetic Tampax. Hello, hello, welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a horror podcast obsessed with all the subgenres within. I am one of your hosts, Devon Taylor. Joined with me, I have my buddy Garrett McDowell. It's me, the other host. Happy to be here, Devon, continuing our month of remake, remakes, remakes. What are we calling it? Uh (laughs) I mean, I like like just the way that you had it on the artwork with just a May in parentheses. Yeah. And then I made my... Yeah, it's hard to verbalize, though, you know? It's more of a visual thing. But anyway, happy to be here. I mean, and then I had to go with, uh, you know, of course, the the classic in uh, sync meme. I put uh, it's gonna be remade. So, so <laughs> yeah, so this got- uh, has been a really interesting month so far. I really liked the conversation that we had uh, last week, um, and I'm excited to uh, continue that uh, today because this was actually uh, another kind of remake that was in a blind spot for me. So I'm excited to to uh, discuss this one today. Yeah, I really liked last week's episode too. I think it was a nice little switch up uh, for this month to kind of get to do this. And I'm excited for this one because I we also have a, a nice spread of the different types of remakes and reimaginings that we're covering. And here we got a case where there's two remakes um, uh, with right, the original right. movie. So we are talking uh, the uh, Brian De Palma's Carrie from 1976, a movie that could have been uh, covered on multiple months. It's actually been like passed over and talked about uh, a couple times when it mm-hmm. was uh, coming of age. We did Stephen King. Uh, season one, we did a, a month on fucked up families. Like, uh, yep. Carrie could have popped in in many months, but she's here finally. She has arrived <laughs> and, uh, very excited to get into that one. And there are two remakes and, um, we are not doing the 2013 remake. We're actually going to dive into a TV movie, which we haven't gotten to do too often here and do the 2002 version of Carrie um, to kind of see uh, the two different ways that this was not only remade, but adapted from a book as well. So that's going to be interesting to dig into. And we do have a guest joining us to dive into it here today. He is the host of the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. Welcome to the show, Jesse Krempole. Hello, hello. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. This is very exciting. That's a fascinating pick. Did a little bit of an audible here. Wanting to go with the 2002 remake, and I can't wait to figure yes. out why. <laughs> yes, I, I did. I did pose that to Jesse because Jesse said, Carrie originally. I was like, okay, we're not going to do all three. So which would you rather do? And we settled on the 2002 version. So uh, very excited to see uh, your reasoning there. But before we get into the movie, uh, got to ask you, what are a few of your favorite horror subgenres? So a couple of my favorite horror subgenres, I would say I was thinking about this while on my way to bed, you know, the last few nights. And I would say I must say I love a horror anthology. Okay. 
I love a collection of different stories all told in one movie. That's right. I've watched all of the VHSs, okay? And tend to like most of them, you know? I think each story has its own kind of thing with it, you know? Um, But things like Tales from the Hood and Body Bags and the Tales from the Crypt from the 70s and these things, you know, I love. Those are my, my, you know, top kind of thing uh that probably comes from me watching like are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps when i was a kid which are pretty much Mm -hmm. horror anthologies so you know uh definitely that i would also say probably psychological horror so today's movie i think is considered a psychological horror but anything that kind of deals with the uh madness or the psychological uh warfare that goes on in some people's minds um so of course like i'm an ari aster bitch i liked hereditary and midsummer you know and like Mm -hmm. uh but even something like uh, Carnival of Souls, like, is Mary going crazy or isn't she? Is she, spoiler alert, dead at the end or what happened? <laughs> you know, so anything that is, tackles, you know, the psyche, if you will. I'm always really interested in that. Interesting. So I, I would say those two. And then slashers are fun, but they're not my favorite. I've mm-hmm. seen a bunch of slasher movies, but like, you know. I think just numbers wise, you're just always going to at least have a few slashers that you enjoy, even if it's not your favorite subgenre. But we haven't gotten to do any anthologies on here, and that would uh, be interesting. Uh, we'd have to do another format switch up on that one, Garrett. Uh, uh, yeah. I know we, uh, you know, we both watched uh, the latest VHS and we had. Uh, one of the segment directors, Maggie Levin, on. So I know we both watched that one. Have you seen all the VHS movies? Um, I've seen at least like two or three of them. Uh, can I tell you which ones they are? Uh, other than the one that we discussed in the first one? No, I can't. <laughs> That's <laughs> important. Seen, I, I've seen a few. Uh, and then there's some, obviously some uh, others. But as far as the VHS films specifically, it's uh, they it, they kind of all run together a little bit for me. I, I feel like if we were to do a, a um, an entire month about anthology, like horror anthologies, it would be mostly like, yeah, some of them were good. Some of them weren't, you know, <laughs> like that's kind of my thoughts on most of them. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always kind of a mixed bag because it's like um, I really liked the first scare package, but then the second one uh, was like way too much on the wraparound story instead of the like story entries itself, which was like kind of a interesting play on anthology. So yeah, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to dig into them at some point here on the pod, but we have, um, the limo is waiting for us. So let's go ahead and get into our movie for today's episode. Carrie, first released, directed by Brian De Palma, uh, November 3rd, 1976. Uh, De Palma, of course, known for many genre films, such as Fam of the Paradise, a favorite of me and Garrett's, um, and many erotic thrillers as well. Um, and then we also had the 2002 Carrie remake. Um, it was a made-for-TV edition that was also supposed to be a backdoor uh, pilot for a series, which uh, the which is uh, explains the change at the end that we'll definitely talk about. Um, and that one was released November 4th, 2002. So I guess they were trying to go for a little anniversary uh, release kind of strategy there. Now, of course, the story was based off the book by Stephen King, his debut novel, in fact. Um, The fact that he came out of the gate with, uh, it was uh, this, The Shining, and then uh, I think Salem's Lot 
three like in a row and it was just Mm -hmm. like bam 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 like i mean the dude is i mean we did a whole month on stephen king of course we love the man he is so prolific so it's interesting to see how the two different uh screenwriters chose to adapt this we have uh, lawrence d cohen from the original um and then we have brian fuller uh writing the remake and you might know his name uh in the tv world from pushing daisies heroes and of course hannibal uh, which we hinted at maybe talking about next year. We'll see. But uh, Brian Fuller, gay icon in the horror world. We love him. Uh, cinematography done by uh, Mario Tosi in the original and Victor Goss in the remake. Uh, score for the original done by Pino Dinaggio, a frequent collaborator of De Palma and also did the score for Seed of Chucky. So talk about range <laughs> um, with the score in the remake done by Lara Cartman. And then uh, as far as box office goes, uh, the original did fairly well, made $33.8 million on a, uh, on a surprisingly small $1.8 million budget. Um, you know, they, they definitely uh, used every cent of that in, in that original film um, and made uh, some pretty good money. No box office numbers for the remake because this was the made-for-TV one. And then the Rotten Tomato scores. Wow, big discrepancy here. Uh, 93% uh, for the original on 72 reviews against... Um, Jesse, you want to guess the Rotten Tomato score for the remake? I will say uh, probably 15 or 16. Ooh, uh, a little bit higher. 20% on only 10 reviews, but still, uh, that's a 70% difference between the two of them. <laughs> Uh, letterboxd uh, average rating is uh, pretty significant as well not as big uh the original uh at a 3.9 uh out of five what do you think the remakes average rating on letterbox is i think it's uh probably 2.9 or something like that maybe Ooh, a little a little more credit there uh, uh it was a 2.6 uh okay. the voice of the people have this um remake here so, um, what made you want to talk about, uh, obviously, we're all fans of the original Carrie, so uh, take us through your experience with the original Carrie, and then why you want to take a look at the 2002 version. Well, yes. So, this movie is honestly my ultimate horror movie. This is my favorite horror movie, period, which is why I, when we were talking before of, like, I want to come on your show, and i trying to think what month I want to come on for or whatever you were talking about remake comparisons I was like oh I'd love to do one of those like what are you guys covering and when you were thinking oh I want to do maybe do Carrie I was like sign me up put me in coach like I'm doing it (laughs) because that is the ultimate horror movie for me I would say I probably watched this the original movie when I was about eight or nine I would say eight probably because I had just moved from where I live in um where I originally grew up in Baltimore, I moved up to a suburb northeast of there. And anyway, we were going through some things in my family. But anyway, I remember watching this movie in my uncle's place. Uh, We were moving into his place as he was moving out of it. So I remember watching it on TBS or something like that. I'm sure it was edited for TV or something or whatever. But I just remember seeing Carrie and I was watching this movie and I didn't really know what it was. And then when it gets to the prom scene, you figure out what's really going on and all this i was like oh this is everything 
whatever this is, this is awesome. <laughs> and so, and then it just really set off my love for horror movies proper. Before that, as I said, I watched like, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Goosebumps, things like that. They were targeted to kids, which are awesome. But like, this was my intro to like, okay, whatever this is, I need to get more of it. Hmm. So then in the days of Blockbuster, RIP Blockbuster, but you know what you being living in the horror section wanting to get like friday the 13th nightmare on elm street these movies that you know i was i then became interested in and wanted to you know know more about and and that's really why you know for me carrie is the ultimate Mm -hmm. um it also comes from me being somebody who was very heavily bullied in school and having just a level of catharsis with carrie as a character and just you know uh, she's just an icon and I love her. Um, it's complicated, obviously, because yeah, but of it was how a, the source material was, but yeah. But it was a nice transitional piece for you. For sure, yeah. And and I read the book back in middle school. I haven't read it in a minute. I do kind of want to get the audiobook because it's read by Sissy Spacek. Ooh. Ooh. But yeah, uh, but there was that. So that that's my stuff with Carrie. You know, I've done a, um, an episode on it before on my show. One of my first episodes I did because it is my favorite horror movie. But my reasoning for wanting to talk about the <laughs> 2002 one is because I don't think it gets talked enough uh, about enough, really. Uh, so that's why I wanted to. And plus also you and Garrett had not seen it. So I wanted to get your thoughts and feelings on it. I think that could be a cool, um, you know, a, a, a conversation. But I also, I will say this first and foremost, the only reason to watch this movie is because of a young lady named Angela Bettis, because I think her and Sissy Spacek are the best carries, period. Sorry, Chloe. I mean, you're not a bad actress and I, I love you, but you were not a carry for me. They could have recast that person with someone else. I'm sorry. But her like Sissy Spacek and Angela Bettis, I'm like, oh, these these bitches did it. OK, like they did. They made me believe that you are this awkward person who has been raised in a religious household, who's been sheltered from the world and you make me believe it. And that's also why I wanted to talk about it because I also want Angela Bettis to get her flowers too. Um, Cause she's literally the only, she's one of the only good things about this movie. There is not a ton, but unfortunately, <laughs> but I was like, Oh, we got to do that. And, uh, and yeah, and it does do a little differently too. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the 2013 one, and I was like, I might watch the 2002 one over that one. To be honest, I hate the ending, but eh, yeah, there's other things I kind of like about it. 2013 was kind of a copy and paste job versus the 2002 does kind of uh, add in a few of its own elements, uh, adds in some more scenes from the book, and things like that. So we'll get into that when we get into the story stuff. Um, but Garrett. Um, what are your feelings on original Carrie? And then this was a first time watch for both of us for 2002 Carrie. Yeah, the original Carrie film is pretty seminal for me. Actually, I think I watched it um, at like a pretty similar age um, to uh, uh, what you had discussed. Um, also watched like a made for TV version of this. And I remember it was like it was of that age where my parents were like, 
yeah, it's made for TV, but he's like just old enough to be able to watch it. Like even the made for TV version, it's like, yeah, there's no nudity or and the violence is going to be like toned down, but it's, it's pretty fucked up. And they sure were right. This movie is still one of the few movies that I have ever seen to actually give me nightmares. Um, I vividly remember being whatever age I was like unable to sleep because every time I closed my eyes and I would see that face that Sissy Spacek has when she's burned everyone alive and her eyes are you know just so wide that face that she has like kept me up at night that so the original film scared the hell out of me um when i was a kid uh so and it's still even in rewatches i've only been able to um appreciate it even more uh for uh her work in the film um as well as um pippi laurie who is also just incredible as uh margaret white uh so seeing what the film has to say about um femininity and womanhood and uh religion and how those kind of end up clashing a lot of the times uh and uh just been able to enjoy the film um on a filmmaking level is movie uh, uh, as well because brian de palma just is like just directs the fuck out of this film like it's so flashy and stylish and great and the performances are so wonderful uh and so yeah i just really can't say enough about this movie and then we're also talking the 20 the 2002 <laughs> one you know <laughs> so we'll get into it <laughs> oh man garrett garrett's still trying to collect his thoughts about what was going on in the 2002 version <laughs> Um, for me, yeah, I mean, I literally just watched this movie like a month ago at work. Um, I watch this movie quite often. Uh, I love Carrie. I can't pinpoint exactly when I watched it for the first time, but definitely kind of had a similar experience when I was younger. It like terrified me, like like you said, like that imagery. But then now, you know, as I've gotten older and watch, it, I just you know feel just like devastatingly sad whenever I watch it, you know, and uh, the the story of of Carrie and what she's going through and um. <clears throat> And and it, it just it, it hits very hard. It sets the foundation for a lot of the, uh, you know, kind of Stephen King pillars that we discussed um, a few months ago. But like, you know, got the small town drama kind of angle. We have the complicated familial relationship. Um, we have the, the domineering of religion. Um, you know, a lot of things that, you know, he's definitely going to keep returning to in future works of his. But man, this movie fucking rules. Um, I've been doing like a catch up on Brian De Palma and he is quickly becoming like one of my favorite filmmakers. Um, I just love everything he does. I love the way he does everything, um, you know, with his signature style. <clears throat> um, and and he, you know, does it in such a way like this movie um, is interesting because it, it, it very much feels De Palma in the style but as far as like the themes and story, this isn't usually in his wheelhouse. You know, this was you mm-hmm. know earlier on in his career. Um, but I do love the way that he tackles the source material and does kind of put this dreamlike haze over this absolute coming of age nightmare that mm-hmm. Carrie is dealing with. So I really love the way that came together in that way. Um, but man, this uh, this 2002 remake, um, I've heard so many things about it and I was kind of expecting it to be a lot worse. Um, I, you know, like I will say, you know, Angela Bettis, of course, uh, I think she, uh, out of the three Carrie, she makes the most sense to, to portray Carrie and she does it in a fantastic way. And, and, uh, you know, and she does it in, in a way that she's kind of featured in the movie a little bit more in this one. And, uh, she kind of has a little more to do, but she also doesn't have a ton of dialogue. So she really is like, uh, putting on a layered performance as Carrie here. 
So she definitely carries it, but um, I, I will give Brian ah, full. She carries it. Well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, a true carry job here. Um, and uh, but yes. uh, but 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 Brian Fuller does take some of the low too because I think uh, I think there are a lot of lines of dialogue that made me crack up in this movie. Um, he like he really yeah. did. He really did <laughs> capture miss, 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 he, he, he really captures that early aughts like kind of like it, it definitely sounded like, you know, this was in 2002 uh, in a in a very funny way. So at least some of uh, the, the lines of dialogue, um, it, you know, kept me uh, on my toes or, you know, kept me awake during um, this two hour, 15 minute slog that felt like an eternity. Um, you know, with the things that they do add in, are any of them necessary? We'll get into that, but it does, uh, for better or worse, include more things from the book, so that has been kind of a positive in its corner. Um, but it's definitely a TV movie. Uh, the effects are pretty bad. Uh, like, I mean, look way worse than this the the '76 version, like, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it, it, it has a lot going on. Um, so before we, uh, get any further into spoiler territory, if for some reason you haven't seen, uh, Carrie 1976, um, but we're going to get into full spoilers and everything, but we're going to have Jesse give us a 60 second synopsis of the original. And then afterwards we'll kind of get into the things that the 2002 adds into it. Are you ready, Jesse? I am. All right. I got you in the clock here in three, two, one, go. All right. So, all right. So Carrie is about the story of Carrie White, who's this like outcast person at her school because her mom's religious and she's like sheltered from the world. She is invited to uh, her senior prom by this guy named Tommy, whose girlfriend Sue is doing this as a nice deed because she was a bitch to Carrie in the beginning of the movie. Anyway, she goes to her prom and um, these two bullies, Billy and Chris, uh, girlfriend boyfriend they rig a bucket of pig's blood to fall onto carrie um and then as part of this as part of this um she massacres the whole prom with her telekinetic power she found out she has anyway she goes home after she's killed everybody at her prom and her mom is there and her mom uh stabs her in the back because she thinks she's of the devil and then pretty much uh what happens is uh, the house that they're in falls in on itself and kills both her and her mom. And that's pretty much the end of Carrie, I guess, if I had to put it in a nutshell. Boom. With 10, with 10 seconds to spare. You also did a funny thing because since we're on Zoom when we have guests, I, d- I always like try to account for the delay, you know, and I don't start the timer until they start. But you were like jumping the, 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 the countdown uh, ready to go on it. So that was that was funny. Let me tell you something. I have been practicing that where I was like, I'm going to do it in 60 seconds. God damn it. So I and plus, like, there's certain things like that I missed or whatever. But if you want the general freaking idea, it's what it is. I mean, okay? yeah. every each one of these movies is literally the same story. Okay. Yes. And and so so that was going to bring me into the the, the next thing, because Garen and I discussed in last episode, you know, there's the different yeah. categories of remakes. You got the remakes, you got the reimaginings, you got the reboots. Um, we're not really covering reboots uh, in this one or in this month, um, and I guess, and this would also go, I would file in the remake category because it is still the same story, uh, it's same same style. I mean, yeah, we're in contemporary times, but they're not uh, taking the story and, you know, changing perspectives or something like yeah. that, and that comes from the 2002 one, including yeah. more scenes from the book and this um, this wraparound setup with the uh, with the police investigation. Um, yeah. uh, how'd you guys feel about that? 
Well, I do think it's a little bit of a reimagining because they do end up changing the ending of this um, in the 2002. Um, and also the trailer says it's a reimagining for a new generation. But of course, uh, it's for I a do new think generation. like if <laughs> I was to squarely put this with the 2002 version, it is a little bit of a reimagining, but it is a remake at the end of the day. The same beats are followed, but because of the end of the movie being changed literally because it was supposed to be a TV show, um, it's a little bit of a reimagining because... The same beats are followed, but they literally changed the end, which was like gobs back to 10 year old me. So, yeah. And lest yeah. we forget, Devon, it is a completely different movie because she says, Mom, I, I looked it up on the Internet, you know, <laughs> which is like, oh, wow, it's 2002. That's right. And, you know? <laughs> and Carrie did not find porn, which I'm very proud of her about, you know, because <laughs> the, the school the Wild West. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So big yeah. fan of the scene where she's just feverishly googling like what a vagina means in the Bible or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the internet is a sin, of course, to yes, to Mama White because everything is a sin to to Mama White. But yeah, so we they they extend this movie quite like it's it's an extra forty five minutes longer than the original movie, um, including some uh, a lot of scenes that spend a lot more time with the psychopathic bullies, um, and then there's also uh, again, this uh, this kind of intercut of uh, they're interviewing Sue Snell after the the incident that happened, yeah. and and I hate it because it like very much under uh, like undercuts just the, you know the tension and build up of you know the finale. Like we all know it's gonna it's building to something absolutely terrible, but I don't really need this like you know police interview to like kind of keep teasing to like kind of sprinkle little notes in. You know I don't know. Yeah, I was uh, uh, very against this entire police procedural thing. I don't care if it's in the book. It sucks. Like, it, not only is your, you're right, Devon, it, like the, the police officer literally says like 30 to 25 minutes into the movie that at the end of it, Carrie kills everyone at the prom. Yeah, so if you've never literally. seen this story before, that's spoiled for you. Not only that, but as you mentioned, Devon, it is kind of ratcheting up this tension of this, you know, ticking time bomb that is Carrie White because of, you know, the problems at home, problems at school, all these problems culminating into this like eruption of power, you know, that to me was really undercut by the police procedural. But also if you have seen this before, what's the fucking point man like it, what's this detective story that we're getting here it's like i solved the fucking case man what happened i mean carrie happened like i saw it's the movie it's it, carrie like why are we trying to who, who done it it's like we fucking know man and, and sue even <laughs> but, and, but they needed to make it so that david keith had a job somewhere and then he was going to be a policeman so i mean we <laughs> needed to do it like and then plus also they needed to make you know uh the nice black Sue Snell that they had and the white Carrie uh, go on adventures. Like yeah. this is what we're setting up, Garrett. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, there's a point even halfway through these like interviews where Sue goes, what are we doing here? Like Carrie's dead. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess like, yeah, he, she is trying to sell him that Carrie's dead, which, uh, you know, cut to the end of the movie. She's not, but, um, but yeah. she's just like, she's just like, Carrie's dead. But like for us believing it, Carrie's dead, it's like, yeah. So like, what are you still investigating? Like, what are you going to go slap handcuffs on her gravestone or something? Like, there's yeah. just, there's true. Yeah. And I will also say too, I also love, I like the inclusion of a little bit of diversity in the two thousands. Um, they do in the 2013, a little bit where I'm like, okay, not everyone's a white person. Great. Love that. Um, yeah. And Candace McClure or whatever her name is, that French, uh, not French, she's Canadian, but like 
oh, this is also Carrie Goes to Canada. So ooh, that's always fun. But yeah, I, I like that added diversity in there a little bit. I was like, yeah, make a Carrie that's not just a bunch of white people in Maine, I guess. That's that's cool too, I guess. I mean, but, yeah, yeah. I, I'm here for it, but it's also like this is in the early days of the classic, you know, uh, black uh, best friend sidekick uh, kind of trope that we see flooded through the 2000s. Uh, so it's like it's kind of in there, but at the same time, it, like it, whenever I watch the original, it's never bothered me. That's like because it, it kind That's of because it kind of adds to the like, you know, the the quote unquote, you know, perfect imagery of this, you know, the suburb that's, you know, this is the classic American high school. And, yeah. you know, and, and even in the you know prom scenes when you kind of get like a, a you know thing, we, we get a nice mix among the extras and stuff. But, yeah, of course, of the, sure. the main cast, we, we kind of have right. mainly white, but it doesn't bother me too much. Yeah, yeah I, I, it doesn't bother me either because I think it is kind of this small town America, uh, you know, blue jeans, you know, blue collar worker sort right. of uh, environment. And, you know, as someone who's like, I think Devon and I have also like and grown up in environments where it's like not the most racially diverse place in the world. So that doesn't super bother me. What does bother me is like how this character is utilized like I, I i do appreciate the uh diversity in the um in the remake even if it's not like incredibly necessary for myself but right. i think that it is it just feels really pointless like a, a lot of the discussions that she's having with the police officer don't really go anywhere there's like this monologue that she has that feels like it goes on for 15 minutes about like the shortcomings of religious fanaticism and it's like maybe the worst scene in this movie where she's just like like oh, i don't know man what's the big deal with all like why can't i live this way? and it's just like oh, god it's like the most she goes like, i don't like getting on an she goes i don't grade. like the last supper about, like, religion for seven minutes it's it's so bad is that what she talks about the um the, the dogs playing poker yeah, yeah. yes yeah <laughs> yes. she's like yes. she's like you don't remember the last supper but you remember the poker playing dogs i mean i was like i mean i guess girl <laughs> but like it's interesting because it's go like, off because because they they kind of do this and like I, I can say one thing maybe you want to know why in the original the black girls aren't in this movie because everyone in this movie is mean to Carrie and black girls wouldn't That's do true. that black girls if they don't if if you if you're like not friends they just kind of forget right. about you they're just like ah whatever I'm gonna do my own thing they're yeah. not going out of their way to torment this girl but then and yeah, and the only reason I bring that up with having um, that, you know, version of Carrie be a person of color is, I mean, because, like, it was probably also done because it was on NBC, so you have to try to appeal to the masses or whatever, sure. you know, yeah. so it's like, I kind of get that. I will never understand for the life of me why they have to say period, period, right? That's what they say. But that mm -hmm. they can fucking write pug it up on her locker. Why can't they just say it? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. I like, I never understood that. I was like, what? I mean, like, okay, you write it, but you can't say it. If, like, all right. If any yeah, I, I feel like, uh, and we'll definitely get to kind of the, the constraints of the made for TV version. Um, but yeah, I think a, a lot of the film and what it does um, when it's not spending time with Carrie and her mom with this padded runtime, it you, Devon had mentioned it. You are mostly just spending time with other bullies or other people. And this movie has a weird habit of doing it. And I will, I will get to the original one, I suppose, but this, the remake is really just like on my mind really heavily. Like I'm so confused by this movie, um, but it spends a lot of time with these other characters who are like either bullies or, or their characters that the movie like weirdly tries to have us root for, for some reason. Yeah. Like there's an entire scene where 
this guy who's this lawyer who's the father of like one of the preppy girls like comes in and is like trying to wag his finger at the principal mm -hmm. and there's this whole scene where it's like this weird girl boss moment with this principal and it's like what the what the fuck are we doing like yeah, we're, why, why, what is all of this it's so superfluous it's just really unnecessary yeah that's a True. that's a that's a like bigger subplot in the book that they were trying to add in with showing chris's background and the you know the class structure yeah. within the small town um but again yeah they have this extended scene in the principal's office to have the principal like serve so it's like they're wanting us to have um you know this uh kind of want we want to root for the principal, even though, you know, we have the scene previously where he can't remember her name. Uh, exactly. You know, and then, yeah. and then, yeah. And then we're, and then they want us to kind of be rooting for Sue more too, but also at the same time, she's presented so snarkily in these interviews. And I guess it's not supposed to click until the end when you're like, Oh, she's trying to cover for Carrie. But yeah. at the same time, it just plays off like the whole time. I was just like, are we trying to get her to have some redemption? Or are we not like, what are you trying to do here? But I guess it was, for the for the tie-in and i guess she was gonna like maybe lead the lead the tv show i guess uh her and carrie on the run maybe um but i mean if yeah. anything if they were gonna do anything with diversity it would have been interesting to switch the race of carrie for this because then that could have been agreed that could have been an extra angle because again if you're gonna remake this and you're gonna do yeah. something more except for just add more stuff from the book in if you're gonna do something different then like hey like if you're gonna make it for you know the new generation right. you know like two 2002 like that would kind of make sense to have a uh, a minority yeah. playing carrie yeah. uh, instead no i totally i totally agree with that because i would love to see that because there's a whole different because carrie as a story generally is this person who's being othered by the way that they've been brought up and the way who they are or whatever and it is very much kind of a a story that i think uh people of you know I think gay folks have definitely like latched on and they love this movie for that reason. It's influenced so many queer people in horror. Um, but yeah, I can see why somebody who is a person of color could be like, oh yeah, like that shit is crazy. And like, you know, that's also being othered for your race of your, you know, the race and color of your skin and stuff. So I would have loved to have seen a, a black carry or like a Latina carry or something. And the fact that we only gotten Caucasian girls doing it, you know, it, It'd be lit if they had somebody of, of color do it because it's a different thing that, culturally too. Do you know what I mean? We're yeah. talking about religion here and every religion is different within the culture That's that it, it yeah. is. So I would yeah. have loved that too. Yeah, I, I think that what definitely can be said about the original is like just how great Sissy Spacek is in this role though. Like she is just, I, I think both of of the carries or uh, the both of the performers portraying Carrie do a very good job. I think that they're both like the best parts of their movie. Uh, for the TV movie, it's I guess not as difficult of a task. Uh, but Sissy Spacek, obviously uh, nominated for an Academy Award, deservedly so, uh, is just completely wonderful. Not just in those terrifying scenes, but the scenes that she has with her mom. And I think that those are a lot of the most heartfelt moments. And I think the original film really spends a lot of time intentionally with Carrie and like really gets to know her as a person and these like moments of defiance against her mom feel like really like big and powerful for her but in the original film or in the uh the remake i feel like it's like 
20 minutes into this movie and Carrie hasn't said a fucking thing. Like she doesn't talk for like the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie. And it really, again, just kind of, instead of focusing the, uh, the, the runtime with her, it's like with bullies and the time that we do spend with Carrie and a lot of this movie, she's like sitting, looking like she's trying to pinch one off, just like shaking (laughs) and like has a little like stressed out face. Like she's trying to pass a stone or something like that. It's, it's really silly. I mean, it's, it's interesting because yeah they both do put in really great performances uh sissy spacek it does come in a lot in the performance because like the thing is i've you know you could um i've seen it be criticism of the 2013 remake but then i mean i would say it's very applicable here is like sissy spacek is gorgeous you know it's Mm -hmm. not like this is uh, a frumpy gal and that's like kind of how she's portrayed in the book but in this i think but i think that also adds to it because then it's like it's not even her looks that like these kids bully her for like it's like they don't like her like as a human and like that makes it even like more unsettling because like she is gorgeous she's just like you can tell she's just like un uh you know uneducated in in social norms and things like that and like you you can just like kind of you you feel that you know and um both uh both performers uh put in i guess different physical performances and kind of the way that they you know they posture their body and their face and angela bettis being able to look like she's about to cry for the entire movie um but even though like it does get it gets cartoonish uh in in the 2002 one because I don't know if Angela Bettis has a lazy eye or if she's just able to cross them because that's a big part of May also. Um, So I don't know if like she just naturally has that or if like that's like one of her like acting tricks that she does, but she does it a lot and uh, it gets cartoonish there. But there are some other moments where it's just like you can tell that she's holding so much in, like especially at the beginning when it's like they're sending her home after uh the the shower I told scene. you Devon it's like she's holding something in <laughs> it's oh, like God, she's trying to get something out <laughs> damn uh what a but, sin <laughs> but like uh after the shower scene when she's getting sent home you like see the look in her face like oh going home's even worse than like mm-hmm. you know like them right. being at school and like you can tell she like doesn't want to but but I think the the difference is is um between the two of them it's like because in the original we have you know Piper Laurie as Mama White and she is so much more imposing and terrifying and oppressive to Carrie uh, versus, you know, I love Patricia Clarkson. I, uh, I love Patricia Clarkson, but she takes a very much more reserve. She doesn't go for like the I mean, I guess she didn't want to like mirror the manicness of of Lori. Uh, and she right. kind of went for like the, the more quieter, intense and like she's always calm. She never raises her voice the entire movie. And like it's a you know, she's trying something different as a performer, but doesn't uh, impact Carrie as much because we don't get to see how truly, you know, oppressive she is to Carrie as we do in the original one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think I even kind of prefer a little bit of Julianne Moore over Patricia Clarkson. I'm a six feet understand. So that's how I know Patricia Clarkson. But like, yeah, I I'm just like, mm, Julianne Moore did a little bit more too, where I was just like, okay, she's she's a weird one. So but Patricia Clarkson, I but like you were saying, it's a lot more reserved and a lot more um, different than Piper Laurie, of course. But yeah, it, it only translates so much for me where I'm just like, no, you're supposed to be crazy, dude. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough, like, ask because Piper Laurie also nominated for an Academy Award for this, like, very iconic performance, especially, like, Horror Mothers. It's, like, one of the most, mm-hmm. like, uh, certainly iconic. And so, like, that's definitely a tall order to um try to surpass that. Um, I think that in the remake, um, I think that Patricia 
uh, Clarkson does fine. Um, I do agree with you, Devon, that it's a lot more understated. I think that Piper Laurie has this, like this real conviction in her, in her performance. Like she's like, like she feels like she is saving her daughter from hell, you know, like it, like she is communing with God himself to save her daughter over silly things like a dress or, you know, uh, reading a book or whatever. Um, with the, with the new one, it is kind of this like, um, church lady sort of passive aggressiveness, you know, it's not necessarily, um, as, as intense, but in regards to like Sissy Spacek, maybe like, you know, being like a, a, a very beautiful woman and not being able to portray that. I think it is a testament to how strong her performance is that she is still able to portray this meekness. And like, right. I don't feel like watching that. It's out of the realm of possibility. Like it's different with the Chloe Grace Moretz one, even though we're not talking about that one today. Right. It's like, that's an example of me watching it and being like, she's the one that's getting bullied. Yeah. Right. You know, I feel like Sissy Spacek, much like a Chris Reeves or something like that. It's like, yeah, gorgeous human being portraying a fucking loser nerd, but because of their, their, uh, the physicality that they bring to the role, they're able to do such, uh, such a great job. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, with the performances, are, are concerned here especially with the the two leads of the movie i think that those are high points for each film again it's uh, for the 2002 one it's not it's not that hard to be like a, a high point of that movie but i will say that was like when they gave angela bettis lines and like something to say rather than just sitting in the corner and shaking look like she's trying to shit you know it's like okay she's actually you know she's actually delivering on the goods so good for her you know <laughs> yeah i think these two performances so they're so different but i really like them because sissy spacek always feel it always looks like she's on the verge of a nervous breakdown when she's yeah. carrie and that's just how it is and i think it really it's awesome to see yeah. that with that I think with I, I, Angela Bettis. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I you continue. I was just going to say, uh, I, I think the, the differences in the performance for me, as far as like quality are in that, yeah. in that prom scene. And, and we can get to that. I didn't mean true. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, you're good. But like, um, what I like about Angela Bettis is one, her performance is that she's a very self-aware, um, mm-hmm. version of Carrie White. She's very aware of her her stature in the school and where she is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's resentful in a way. Um, so I really like that too, where it's interesting where you don't get that as much with Sissy's um performance, I feel like. Again, it always feels like she's like a deer in the headlights at all times. Whereas you could tell that like Angela Bettis is able to pull into this of like being this resentful person because at the end of the day, Carrie is a person who doesn't want to be like her mom um, and her mother's just overbearing enough where, you know, she has to stay there because she's a kid, technically a minor and, you know, whatever. But um, she doesn't want to be like her mom and she tells her that. And so it's like I, I those two performances to me, that's why I like them so much is because they are separate in their own thing. Um, I wish she got like an Emmy nomination. It would have been really nice because again, she deserved it. It would have been, um, but would have been nice. Been and, nice. And, and I mean, I would she say also that, hates this role though too. <laughs> she doesn't like it. <laughs> I would, I would say the teachers are pretty kind of even. Uh, they kind of uh bring a similar thing. Um, the 2002, she's kind of doing the same thing. Considering there are a lot of um uh, lines that are directly in both movies i don't know if that's like them taking lines straight out of the book um but there are like a lot of those kind of things but then like the 2002 one she is a little bit uh, she's a little bit more intimidating um but she doesn't 
but she doesn't hit hard on the emotional like support side uh, that the 76 version has because you, as you kind of see this right. teacher finally be like the only person in this movie to truly be nice to her because even Sue and Billy they're not uh, or uh, Sue and Tommy they're not even yeah. convincing in you know their their niceness to Carrie like it's still self-serving for them versus it is. uh you know um she's she's a uh, miss she's miss collins in the 76 version but she is uh desjardins in the 2002 remake which is her name in the book um yes. but like so it it it's kind of nice uh that she is the sole only nice one that like so she has that versus in the 2002 they're trying to uh have this arc for sue as well but then the one the one i think the only area that i will give the 2002 remake advantage in is with um is with tommy i think tommy Mm -hmm. in the 2002 remake is actually like like feels a lot more genuine and charismatic towards carrie and in like you know you actually kind of felt like he does want her to have a good time and like give her this experience versus in the 76 like tommy kind of has a lot of talking into it and even it doesn't it doesn't we don't until the dance he doesn't even seem like it's still genuine and then at the dance they do have a good time but uh he takes a lot more uh you know convincing versus in the 2002 like i actually did like feel a genuineness i was like okay you know what this is nice this this tommy is a nice boy yeah i think i would have i i would have been a bit more okay with it because i i did notice how they portrayed tommy was was quite different in this i think it's it doesn't hit as well for me because he is one of many characters, like I had mentioned, that they also try to give like a sense of humanity to. True, true. Uh, and of course, like you have the the main teacher, and there's mm-hmm. a scene with her and Carrie. And I, I could be wrong, but I don't remember it happening in, in the original where she like tells her, like, I want you to have a really nice night, but this isn't everything. Like this prom, yeah. it's nice, but also like it's not the most important night of your life. And I I am kind of on either side with that. I, I, I on one hand, I'm kind of like, but this is a really important night for Carrie. And she's never had an opportunity to dress like this and to, you know, be among these people and enjoying these things. So this might be her most important night of her life. But then I also was kind of like, yeah, but the teacher has a a good point of like, yeah, things are terrible now. But when you graduate college and you leave home, things can and will get better. So I I, I will say that was another kind of aspect of this film that I at least appreciated. Maybe not know if I I prefer, but I did like how the, the original movie really does have this dreamy quality of how magical and wonderful this night is. Uh, and I think that miss, uh, uh, Deschardin like is able to kind of kind of bring her down a little bit but not in like a, uh, uh, a an angry way I will say though uh in the remake they're in the prom scene I feel like in the original film everyone is like pretty nice to Carrie uh and like they compliment her dress and they say that she looks nice but in the remake yeah. like everyone's weirdly condescending and is like kind of talking <laughs> shit to her so I feel yeah. like this magical night isn't really ruined as much like it doesn't feel like she was like flying so high loving this night and it's the greatest night of her life because like everybody was like still kind of an asshole to you at prom you know it doesn't yeah. feel as kind of as sincere well I guess that's I mean I guess that is where the 
the 2002 though comes in with handling the prom scene differently and doing the the dream sequence aspect uh difference between the two of them because Mm -hmm. uh in the 2002 we get a an extended you know portion where it's like they win the prom thing and then they just go out and they get to have their dance and i remember like watching this and they like did i was like wait what what's going on where's the blood and then it like they do the whole thing where it's like oh she has a good rest of the night and like has a good time and then it's and then it you know we (laughs) snap out of it and it was like kind of a dream sequence so it's like they kind of hit it harder in that versus in the 76 yeah it is like the the friends are uh you know they're like coming up to her and talking to her and like everybody's laughing and stuff so like um i guess that was their way of kind of uh giving her that little bit of happiness at least for us to to then snatch it away yeah that's true yeah i can i can get that i mean like um in the original one that i remember i mean uh we have frida and her boyfriend and they're nice to her i remember that much um and then miss collins tells the whole story about her prom and how like she had to walk like the half a mile to the prom and then she couldn't actually dance when she got there because the guy's car broke down or whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah i get what you guys are saying i also uh it's peak 2002 but when they say uh good old shaleen uh simmons from um it and final destination three and all that playing helen in this movie um talks about you know you would not think it's funny how many people think you're gay to her boyfriend and tommy and i was like there you go 2002 right there there you go (laughs) so i was like all right whatever but i i the other that you say that i'm kind of like okay yeah they were kind of like norma like she says like oh my god you look so beautiful and i'm just like girl really like yeah i could see it being a little condescending too which is is weird but yeah you know. I, I would say as far as the prom night is is concerned uh i also and i had kind of alluded to it earlier uh angela bettis's performance when things go down and she's killing everyone with her mind powers i wasn't terribly impressed uh with the the performance then especially as i had mentioned earlier like sissy spacek in that moment was so chilling and so terrifying angela bettis just kind of stands there she has like a very blank expression like like thousand yard stare which i i i get the like the power of that Mm -hmm. but in a movie where she's mostly like a physical performance i would have preferred to see something maybe a bit more out of that moment rather than just have her like just sitting like she's just staring off into space it's I like mean, well no you're burning people alive with your mind yeah. like give me a little something you I, know? I could see what they were going for with it because totally, they were 100%. they were trying to go for like the the total catatonic state that like you know that she right. is unaware of her actions and like what she's doing and that's yes. the problem with it is like not only one she is just like literally just standing there for way too long you know like yeah we get a little bit of that in the beginning but like we get you know the more expression out of it but with her being in this state where she doesn't feel in control and like she says she doesn't remember like what happens um right. kind of takes away that that you know the catharsis that we get from Carrie cuz like um, you know, it's not great to murder a bunch of people, but like, are you still happy for her by the way that the movie presents itself? Yeah, you are, because like that's you know the kind of the way yeah. that you know the movie you know is kind of set up to be, even though like, and she does still reach her demise anyway. So it's like, so you sure. almost still can root for her in that moment, knowing that like she's also not going to make it out of it as well. But like taking yeah. taking the um the uh you know the autonomy the autonomy out of the action of her like actually doing like you know choosing to cause this mayhem versus um right. the power kind of taking over her like undercuts it a little bit i understand yeah i can agree yeah and it's just like you know 
and then you get into the whole thing because we're also three like cis men too so like you know getting into this whole thing of like the fact that in a way her powers these latent psychic powers that she has were somehow like released by her having her first period is like also something too i think people talk about and obviously this is brought up so much you know with mm-hmm. this story of like femininity and puberty and all of that you know um which again we can only have so much of a conversation about um at least like as a female-centric story because we're not females necessarily but you know it's it is that's something with this you know also with something like ginger snaps like people can compare these all day every day you know because of like oh here's what happens when these girls get a period and then carries one thing that happens and then oh Catherine isabel turns into a werewolf so you know it's yeah. like i think that also there's parallels to be drawn with that as well yeah i also Catherine don't know why also Ka- makes an appearance yes, in this movie <laughs> i also don't know what gym class would let her wear any of the outfits she has or what school would let her air whatever but it doesn't give a fuck ginger's here so it's great they, they <laughs> it's made just a, like they yeah, made there's a, lots to be said about the gym teacher in this movie who gets like uh there's just a scene where she like tells a joke and then the punchline of the joke is just assaulting her students <laughs> like yeah, that entire exactly. moment is really outrageous i mean they're, uh, they're i mean so so great <laughs> yeah they, i mean they're both pretty outrageous uh you know the the way that the you know gym teacher like kind of scolds them and like that is Mm -hmm. um kind of a you know one of the subjects of debate and the thing is like you know like oh should this teacher be treating them like this but then it's also like well why are you treating another person like this you know it's like obviously not okay for the teacher to be Mm -hmm. doing this but like again like because of like the the actions that we're seeing like we kind of want that you know and yeah. And that's like a, another difference between the two of them is like in the 2002 one, we're spending like a lot more time with these bullies. And uh, one, yeah. they, one, they totally slipped up on not having Catherine Isabel play Chris. Um, mm-hmm. She why why are you going to have her be third banana? Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. but, but also we're spending a lot more time with them and we aren't getting anything out of it except for less and less like, you know, like remorse for them at all. Because like there's a, there's not to say like you feel anything for them in the 76 one, you still hate them, but like they don't feel as outright evil. It kind of feels like that era's bullying. Uh, You know, it feels more authentic in that versus in the two on two one, like they are psychos, like especially Billy, like once like they start planning the whole shebang and everything like his faces during that pig killing scene. I was so uncomfortable Talk about the pig killing scene. This Uh, I hate I hate this guy, by the way, I hate this actor because he's horrible as Billy. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. He goes like full Jim Carrey and he's making (laughs) these ridiculous, ridiculous faces and he starts like oinking like a pig and is like chasing his friends around and it's little like, pig little pig <laughs> let me come in and i'm a bash your brains and i fucking hate i just that. i i like and his name's jesse in real life i can't understand it damn it I, I feel like he probably felt like he was eating that scene up like he was like i felt really good about that take and it's oh like my God. so and, bad it uh, is so terrible it, and so weird it's so over oh the God. top evil that they're portraying them but and they also make it a oh difference to that with him being so maniacal in it it's different from the 76 version where it's like, yeah, Billy yeah. sucks as a dude, but he's also like a fucking doofus that is, you know, being manipulated yeah. by Chris ultimately. And she's the kind yeah. of more, uh, you know, conniving one of the two of them. But even still, like, even though like Chris is evil in the 76 one, she isn't 
uh, uh, unbelievably evil. She is Stephen King evil, for sure. The, this is a mm-hmm. Stephen King bully, 100%, another recurring yeah. motif he has through his works. Um, but they don't, but in the, but again, it feels more like, you know, very intense bullying, not, you know, yeah. like this, you know, kind of sadisticness that we see in the later one. Well, Nancy I Allen agree. has also mentioned that, like, while she was filming the movie, her and John Travolta didn't know that they were going to be villains, like, until they mm-hmm. saw the final cut, because they thought they were so, like, so over the top and so silly that they would right. be, like, kind of the doofus comic relief characters that they didn't know that they would be these these bullies. Oh, but, yeah, I think funny. you're right. And, like... <laughs> I know it's like an early 2000s thing, and I, I assume that we all were in school around this time, and I feel like bullying was like everywhere. Like it was such a yeah. big topic, so I understand the creative impulse to like have this really nail that down. Uh, this is like a time, you know, where I felt like every other week we had like some sort of sit down talk, like, you know, uh, after school special sort of attitude, and I think that this movie does have that after school special sort of quality to it uh but yeah it is very over the top and the fact that i i think it it really adds insult to injury that you spend so much time with these characters Um, yeah. And it is just a nature of it being like a TV movie, but I don't feel like there is as much of a catharsis for like what we see happen with Carrie. For one, Devon had already mentioned that yeah. the the prom scene is portrayed with such like passiveness that it doesn't feel like uh, I've had enough. I'm going to fucking light you all on fire. Like it just feels like she just right. goes in this like kind of just disassociates, you know, and, and right. also with her mom, too, in the TV movie, which, again, I don't care if it's in the book. It's lame. <laughs> You're going to tell me that. Brian De Palma and having her throw knives at her mom with her mind like mm-hmm. and then in this she like psychically grabs her heart and gives her a heart attack yeah. and she just slouches over well, like I think that's how it ends I I get that yeah that's the I, book. I think that's how that's in the book I don't give a shit it's fucking way. lame Stephen King <laughs> oh, it's no. not as cool having her throw Sorry. knives with her mind is way cooler oh it's, way, it's I always <laughs> think it's funny I always think it's funny that people in the original um there's so many people who say like there's certain things like this. So like um, people think that it's a Jesus that um, she has in her closet, but it's actually St. Sebastian, but they did put a Jesus in the 2002 one technically. Yeah. Um, It's like that. Some of the other things just like, I think the 2013 remakes, the only one that actually had a actual Bible verse in there because both of the Bible verses that are in these two movies are not at all what, is in the Bible well, technically? Well, I actually but Carrie it. calls it out in the in the 2002 one. She goes, "Sometimes I feel like you're just making these up." So she even calls I love it that out scene. In, in that one. So it it does actually make sense that's not real uh, Bible yeah. verses. But but yeah, I, it's I'm, like kind of sort of, but it's very paraphrased. Yeah, well, for what the, Patricia the, Clarkson says and what Piper Laurie says. The, the 2002 one as well. Like I, I think that the 76 one is a really like searing condemnation about like. Um, religion and yeah um, you know religious trauma and all of those things and then the 2002 one is like yeah we're gonna have some of that in there but then also it's more about how like people twist religion to like kind of uh, kind of just coincide with their own personal beliefs which i think is certainly topical but there is a moment and like I, i didn't hate it but there is a moment where carrie is like corrects her mom about the bible and like about how like she should Mm -hmm. view herself and like really kind of affirms her own religious beliefs like in defiance of her mom like trying to shove them down her throat she like she corrects her which i think is is uh, it, it could be powerful for some people who like 
mm-hmm. want to be people of faith, but then look at like how others use religion. I think that that's again, like a very topical uh, uh, kind of stance on this. I just kind of prefer what De Palma does and like how that movie addresses religion. I think it is much more like cutthroat and like has a lot more teeth in its, in its argument mm-hmm. rather than, you know, what we get in the TV movie, which isn't surprising. I, I don't, I don't expect it to, I expect it to be a little bit more like rounded edges as far as like the religious themes of everything, but I mean, it just, it's not as interesting. Well, I think it's, you know, yeah. again, I feel like probably in the book, it's probably like pretty even amongst, you know, like kind of talking about like, you know, the bullying and the school institution, but then also the things that she's dealing with her mother and the religion. And it's just, you know, uh, De Palma picked that he thought it was more interesting to like, you know, focus in on this, uh, the, the mother relationship between them, uh, as well as like the stance on religion, like kind of focusing in on that. And again, like, that's why we get a more oppressive, uh, uh, Margaret White in it versus in 2002, I don't know if it's because it was a couple of years out of Columbine that they kind of wanted to make this statement against, you know, schools and bullying and the way that uh, things worked. So they kind of focused a little bit more energy on that. And that kind of wraps into, you know, with Carrie also living, you know, at the end of this one, it kind of pulling yeah. this like, you know, kind of twist where it's like, okay, no, she's, you know, and we're supposed to be like happy that she's like alive at the end. Uh, even though it's like, no, 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 she, she just murdered a bunch of people, you know? So yeah. It's like, that's why and they gave her a horrible wig. So let's not, you know, pretend like everything's okay. Okay. Shout out to the wig, uh, the budget <laughs> for wig. this. I imagine it was not insignificantly taken up by that wig. It is, it is Ooh. laughable. I do want to talk about, cause we've talked a lot about like characters and like themes of this, but we haven't mentioned, and it's such a big part of the 2002 movie, but this movie looks so terrible. <laughs> like, the entire movie is so fucking ugly. It looks plastic. <laughs> uh, like, every scene is shot like it's a Claritin commercial. Uh, the action scenes in this are shot like they're the B-roll of the behind-the-scenes documentary of, like, how they made this movie. It is, like... The entire prom scene is shot at a Dutch angle. Uh, There is CGI that is in this movie that looks like, you know, those apps that you can get that you can add like, oh, it's like a missile on your phone or whatever, or like an airplane fly. It looks like a Snapchat filter. It is (laughs) horrendous. It is. You're not wrong. I can't underestimate. I can't overstate how ugly every frame of this movie. That that goddamn blood that they poured on 2002. Oh, no, girl. Yeah, there there was a random <laughs> shot of CGI sad. blood. It, it mixed in with like the physical blood, and it was just like, "What are you doing here?" But it just the the movie looks yeah. like the movie looks like everything's made of plastic in this in this yeah. world. Like it, it and also and also that they needed to have like three different shots of the blood falling in the 2002 version and that yeah. 2013 one. I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" <laughs> There's like, also a I, scene in the they do it a few times. There's a scene in the library where Tommy throws something at like this bully and there's yeah. like four cuts of it hitting his face. <laughs> like we so really good. we got to nail this shot. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That was so good. Uh, yeah, I mean again because the 76 is I mean this is De Palma baby and he is doing his motherfucking thing. It looks yeah, so is. gorgeous i love 70s films and the the hazy look that it has from them using these you know old cameras 
on film and everything. And, right. And like just the the look and the way that he, you know, again, like kind of makes it, you know, his style uh, lends itself well, because again, this is like dreamlike Americana in a way like this is the mm-hmm. this this is supposed to be any high school that you can think of, you know, and it, in with right. him kind of having that haziness to it and. And, and Garrett kind of, you know, mentioned it too, uh, in shooting this prom scene so differently, like he makes it look so magical for, to kind of hit home that point of like, when you are in high school, like how important and magical this night is supposed to feel like yeah. my, my prom sucked, yeah. unfortunately, but that was because of some ex drama and shit like that. It was not a great time, but, but <laughs> the De Palma wants you to have that, that, you know, perfect prom experience and for Carrie to have that and the, the way that he shoots it. It's just so great. And of course, you guys, classic split diopter shots throughout. Oh it's just money. It's so good. I mean, it, it looks like it really ratchets up the tension because you've got the prom stuff going on and the blood and the bullies mm-hmm. doing like at the same time. It's it's so great. It's so good. Yeah. How could so, you not love that? So in a funny, I know it's funny. You, oh. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I love how both of us were are were leading in with it's funny. Uh, uh, and <laughs> I had to, I was gonna ask a question because I mean I love the the split screen like you know thing so that way we're able to kind of see every angle of the mayhem going on in this uh, finale scene uh, with the De Palma one. Apparently he was gonna he had an idea to shoot the entire film in a split screen style so like even like conversation scenes and like the 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 pig scenes and like stuff like that um and i'm glad he did uh show some restraint and uh want it to only be in the in the third one um but it mm-hmm. would have been a an interesting stylistic choice because the movie is trying to um you know spend a lot of time with a lot of people and get different yeah. you know reactions for these different events could have been interesting but at the same time it, i don't think it would have worked I don't yeah, think it would have worked either. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I think also too, I mean, um, because I was thinking about this too, that like I like how you were saying that technically Tommy and Sue are self-serving in this because they're trying to do something nice for Carrie, but whether they're genuine or not is a whole different story. But I will say, I mean, when I've watched this and the original one, I do feel for both of them where I'm just like, you know what they are. Cause I actually have a, I actually think Miss Collins is a little bit shady on the original one because she literally says like, you know, don't you think you'd be a little ridiculous if you show up to the promise Carrie White with Carrie White. And she also says um, some, she says like that and like something else. And I'm just like, okay, Miss Collins, you can't play the, both sides of the field for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> At least I'm kind of like, you know, with Tommy and Sue, I'm like, yeah, it's self-serving in a way. And it, whether it's genuine or not is up for debate. But I at least feel like I'm like, you know what? God damn. Tommy didn't deserve to die that night. God damn it. No, I mean, like Sue was just trying to do them nice, I guess. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, I think the teacher is trying to be realistic in both of them, I think, is like kind of the thing like, hey, like and no, like even like because it's one. She's like, I know you fucking students. I've seen how vile you guys are. So like, am I going to believe that you're doing it? And then also like but she just she is also aware of how the, the, you know, high school socioeconomics work and like you know any just the the fact that like even if like this didn't happen just like if anything you know could have went wrong it would have like you know been just like kind of her basically saying like hey like if anything happens bad at this problem like this could be the last straw for her 
you know? Mm-hmm. So I think like, even though she is like kind of uh, a little bitchy um, in both, uh, in both uh, kind of ways and maybe kind of playing both sides, I think she, at the end of the day, uh, in both cases, the teacher is like kind of still the sole person I think is, you know, genuinely looking out for Carrie. And she also, she also has a really sick burn in the gym locker room scene to where she's like, you think Carrie is ugly? You guys are ugly. And I was like, yes. oh, oh got <laughs> I know, right? Uh, oh. And that entire scene is just juxtaposed to Carrie, Carrie just Googling like uh, herself. It's like, it's, it's weirdly edited. Devon, you did mention like the, the split diopter shot. Would that have worked? I, I honestly don't think so. I, I, I think that that is like such great seasoning on, on that scene, but oh, it's for like sure. for an entire movie to be composed of that, I think it draws attention to itself and like, would take away from the story and in the impact. So I, I think De Palma using that sparingly is, uh, is, is great, but yeah, the original is shot with such nostalgia. Uh, and I think that it is also fitting for like how, like how popular people look back on their high school days and mm-hmm. like with this rose tinted sort of glasses. And so, right. Shooting it back in that kind of like childhood dream, like remembering things maybe better than they were. I, I, I think is, is great. And is such like a, such a statement uh, that De Palma is is making in the new one is like I know it's a TV show budget, but I just right. I, I can't I can't overstate it's so ugly. <laughs> Every frame, I, there's a scene where Carrie is walking home amidst all the chaos, uh, walking through her neighborhood, and it like made me cringe. It looks like a PlayStation. It looked like a PlayStation, like a PlayStation game. <laughs> watching this, I was oh, like, this. God. It's like. Like I've seen Sharknado and it looks better than that. Like Hell it is yeah. Birdemic level. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I I have a question to pose about this because it's kind of in both, but not really because it's TV. Um, what are your thoughts or what are our thoughts, I guess, about the opening scene with the shower and all that, because that's also up for debate as well. <laughs> it's so dumb. Carrie, Carrie gets abused so hard. She makes a meteorite shower happen. It's like, it's so oh, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, because yeah, well, well, no, the meteor shower was a flashback from when she was a kid. That was, it uh, was yeah. Yeah, oh, no, that that was uh yeah, she made that happen when she was a kid, and that's part of the book. But don't that, you hear like neighbor don't you see like neighbors like hearing stuff happening and then like the shower happens or well, that's no, open, that's no that's that's after. open. No, that though. yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't open the two thousand two one and that and then we see the meteor shower part again a second time afterwards, mm-hmm. which is showing the meteor shower from the opening credits. But yeah, in the logo in, from Silent Hill. Yes. And in the seventy six one, um, I mean in both of them. I think, uh, you know, like De Palma is known for being a little bit of a perv, a little bit of a voyeur. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, with it here, I mean, it's the only I mean, it's the only instance of nudity in the movie. Like when we kind of have the the make out blowjob scene later, we don't see anything, you know. And because in the shower scene, it is kind of setting up like, you know, just, you know, girls being girls in the locker room, kind of trying to like kind of set, you know, get I think I feel like it's, you know, trying to intentionally like kind of put you in that mindset because again, especially for us three that are all not women, um, you yeah. know, to kind of put us in that headspace of like, okay, like this is like what it's like. And it's like, yeah, their boobs are out, but nobody, there's no like close ups on them or no girls are like, you know, right. like, you know, making out in the corner, or, like, you know, uh, you know, it's just like, it's, it's yeah. locker room. Stuff. No, les- no lesbian corner in the locker room. Damn it. Okay. It, well, and I think- guys. I, I, I'll go out on a limb here. And I, if anybody says that this scene is very male gazy, I am, I'm going to 
I'm going to be in the corner of Brian De Palma because I think it's intentionally not male gazy. I think it is very intentionally so, like like you had mentioned, Devon, putting us in this position to where it is forcing us to like view women's bodies as the opposite of like the, how the male gaze would is just like very matter of fact, the yeah. same way that Carrie is made to feel embarrassed about her body later on. Like it's so it's supernatural, not supernatural. Yeah. It is very natural that she, you know, like th this thing happening and she's bullied for it. So I think that the movie is also doing something similar to where it's just, these are women's bodies and I don't think it's looking at them in like a super lustful way or anything. It's just, right. it's very matter of fact, this and, is natural. This is how women look. And the only time that yeah. it is, is for Carrie, like, because even before mm -hmm. her period hits, like this is like kind of her one moment where she is like kind of exploring herself a little bit, where she is away from everybody else. She's away from her mom and she mm -hmm. kind of finally feels like, okay, I have a moment to actually like explore and like think about my body and myself. And so like, so when we do kind of have like the, the, you know, the close-ups of her, like, you know, feeling her legs and stuff, that's not for us. That's for Carrie yeah. right, in, in right. those, in those yeah. shots. I agree. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like the, uh, the, I think the, in the original film, that tampon scene is, it's it the whole movie is like shot like a uh like you know a nightmare uh or a, or a yes. dream and i think that that is a very kind of like hazy the, the the steam from the shower and everything makes it this kind of foggy it's really got that energy of like um i'm giving a speech and i don't have any pants or like you know like yeah. any, it's like it's got that sort of quality of like everyone pointing at her and yelling at her it's just it's really upsetting uh and disturbing and like it is a real thesis statement for the movie too right like it yeah. really establishes kind of everything that we're going to discuss uh in this in this film and the way that her mother reacts is not like oh my god that's fucking terrible come here let me console you it's like furthering her making uh, making herself feel guilty about something that's you know natural and her mom throwing you know adam and eve uh bible verses at her and everything it's it's trying to use god again in a way to uh just control others and to reflect your own personal views on things i i, I think the original film uh does such a great job and it, you know a great tone setter whereas in the remake it's i coming a bit later in the movie it's not as right. uh kind of uh it's not just like shocking you know to start off the film that way yeah, I always took that tampon, the tampon scene in the beginning of the original. I it's a reach a little bit, but like I, when I've watched Jacob's Ladder before, mm -hmm. um, there's a scene where Tim Robbins, I think it is, um, yeah. he gets dunked into the ice or whatever because he's like overheating, mm -hmm. and they are like, um, it's almost as if they're laughing at him, and it made me think of that scene and I like thought I was like, did they like take it? It feels like that. The, how the girls are like throwing tampons at Carrie and sanitary napkins and stuff. And they're just like laughing and they're like hyenas, just fucking weirdo. Right. Yeah. And then in Jacob's ladder in that scene, I'm like, Ooh, it gives me those vibes a little bit too. I wonder if there was a bit of an influence there. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's fucking terrifying too. Cause this mm -hmm. guy is like, <laughs> doesn't know what the hell is going on. And he's like being dunked into this. And then he's like, what the fuck are these people doing? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of wondering that too. And it's interesting. Cause you, you brought up ginger snaps earlier and that's a movie yes. I've talked about before that I like it, but I don't love it because I feel like it is one of those movies that's like, unless you are a woman or, you know, presenting in any of those fashions, you, you, you don't feel those experiences quite as hard 
Um, perhaps, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but for here, I feel like it's almost even the opposite because when I see this shower scene and everything, like, you know, her getting tormented for a period, uh, like upsets me as a, as a dude thinking like, uh, like, where's the sisterhood here? Like, you know, like, like what is wrong with you to where you are going to sit here and make fun of somebody instead of being like, Hey, like mm-hmm. we're all, we're all ladies in here. Like this is a safe space. We're in the locker room together. Like, yeah. you know, you want them to help her. So it's like, for me, I feel like even worse whenever I watch it. Cause I'm just like, I don't know. Like I'm like, that upsets me knowing that yeah. just like, you know, there wouldn't, you know, for her, there isn't like that, that kind of camaraderie in, in that moment, you know, of them. Right. Cause they all yeah. kind of share but that thing. I think it's because they hate her so much yeah. and they just don't like her. That's exactly why that is. Well, um, I will pull from girl. That's scary where everybody fucking deserved to die up in that proms really. Cause some of those people were from day one, you know, making fun of her all the time so mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure there were nice people who didn't deserve to die in that prom thing but like also it's like you know what these people deserved <laughs> some of these people really deserved because they were making fun of carrie from day fucking one which is why they didn't have that camaraderie i think you know they weren't going to help her be like hey girl like here's your uh here's your period or whatever look at my cat in the background being all cute but anyway it's just like you know yeah but that's exactly why you know they just hate yeah. her so much i i feel like the remake too like i i feel like in the original film carrie like notices that she's starting her period and then is like mm-hmm. with bloody hands is like touching and like reaching out to other people and there is the sense of like oh god what the fuck are you doing you know and then and then they see like how scared she is and then and then they start to make fun of her you know where yeah. the 2002 one i feel like it's from the jump you know I oh, feel she like just goes straight just... into the fetal position and then exactly and yeah. then they're already yeah. making yeah. fun of her yeah i think the original film establishes more of how how blindsided she is by this like she doesn't know what's mm-hmm. happening to her Th- she thinks she's dying you know yeah. so like i feel like the original film uh communicates that a lot better that whereas in the new one it's mostly just like oh, i'm having a period and, and i'm embarrassed you know yeah and and speaking of some carrie's, other she says because she says carrie's aunt flo is in town she's freaking out and they just go to make fun of her i'm oh, like man. what the fuck yeah and i mean there's um uh, a lot of just like bizarre line choices in the 2002 ones that I have um, that I wrote a bunch of these down. My absolute uh. favorite one, though, is um, Carrie uh, Margaret White refers to boobs as dirty pillows. Yes. And I about lost it. I think that is one of the funniest things ever. Um, there's a very 2002 line that Fuller has. Um, whenever uh, she's like, this isn't over. It's far from over. It's not even in the same area code as over. <laughs> Fuck is, yes. That, so that feels so Kevin Williamson. Like, oh my God, so funny. And that and the like, uh, the brief meta moment where uh, the the own the the time that Tommy does like kind of at first like when the idea is brought to him about uh, taking her out and he goes he goes no if it's in a Freddie Prince Jr. movie we shouldn't do it and she goes what and he's like it's like, like that, that one movie that he dresses her up and like that's what she's gonna think and then but and then they kind of have the conversation is like well don't make anybody think that like I want you to mean it but um but yeah, yeah. there's a there's some very uh very funny lines. Uh, I love suck at you cow. I love that one. It's very funny. 
because it's like the neighbor girl who has her top off is just telling margaret to suck at you cow it's, it's so, so great good. yeah like she like this little girl just stumbles upon her like sunbathing and she's like what are those and she's like they're breasts and she's like wow i hope i get some and she's like yeah. will one day that's what i'm saying like this is like one big just that's after so school weird. special like sex ed yeah. video and it has the visuals to match i promise yeah. you the production value <laughs> yeah again that was another like in the book scene added in because like that is like kind of the background for like the the meteor shower opening that we have in this one uh we apparently they were gonna film the meteor shower stuff for the de palma film they um, kind of uh, did they yeah. have sissy spacek playing the little carrie there's production stills of it. yes but, but they didn't yeah. have uh that the model got uh sabotaged um like the prop house like uh had like a, a small fire or something the prop house um that they were gonna use for it so they didn't get to sh do the shots of the actual meteors going in and uh ended up not being able to use it um but again like these are reasons that um you know these things are cut out and uh, i think you know, uh, in addition to the stylistic choices, I think De Palma does do a great job of, you know, choosing the things that should be uh, included and should not be included. Um, but there are uh, a lot of like side by side scenes that are exactly the same uh, in this um, in, uh, throughout the film. But I um, but I did want to kind of get into more of the uh, the prom finale as we get into like set pieces and um, and the the, the uh, effects and things like that. Um, right. The uh, our boy Pino DiMaggio is cooking in the 76 uh, in the in the uh, in the 76 film. Uh, he is so damn good. And the scene leading up to, um, you know, um, Carrie going up to accept the, the prom queen and everything it would switch back and forth between this like super pretty, the, the fairy tale like score, like for the, for the moment, but then it would switch to the sinister because it's like, no, 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 of course, like we know exactly what's going to happen, but it's, uh, it's all about the build up between it. And then of course, like classic De Palma, uh, you know, uh, Sue running in slow motion and the camera following her. And, uh, it, it, it's so good the setup into it, but, um, even with the, the simple effects of the original, just looks so much better like you it know does. when the teacher gets smashed by the table looks pretty damn great like and and we got real fire cgi fire is yes. like the worst cgi on the planet we have not figured it out for some reason so de palma goes no we got real fire we got the real sprinkler systems going off like like it, so it, it's so good yeah, there's that shot like that's behind Carrie where like the walls just like catch on fire, like going like left to right. It's just it's it's the fucking best. Like, so good. I don't know if you saw there was um there was this uh, uh Twitter thread that was like, what's the horror money shot that you would say? And I was going to pick Carrie, the scene with the pig's blood like pouring down on her. But I was actually saying I was like, there's a few money shots in this movie. Like there are so more bad. than a few, like really just excellent. That car flip uh too is like is, mm. is so, so good. Yeah, the I'd already mentioned it. It's a TV budget. I know. But it's going up against like one of the most seminal horror films of like the 20th century. So it's like, yeah. sorry guys. It just no, not it's... only does it not look good, but it yeah. like actively looks terrible. It was so a, is, it, yeah. we got an early shot of um, that thing that would happen in the two thousands a lot, especially in superhero movies where, you know, the car runs into it and then the slow motion and it like, does it the 2002 yeah. tried to like be the pioneer of that. And it looks mm -hmm. so bad yeah. as she like throws it into the thing. We also have the mirrored uh, bike scenes as well, which in yes. the 76 one, the bike kid is De Palma's kid. 
which is hilarious. So he shoots yeah. a scene and throws his kid off of a bike. Hilarious. <laughs> I think it was his nephew, actually. Oh, but yeah, nephew. he was related to it. Even him. more funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to be in Uncle Brian's movie. <laughs> yes. And Betty Buckley did the voice of that little boy, too, which is really fun. But yeah, no, totally. And then you have like something like that dinner scene. That original dinner scene is always going to be everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind the 2002 one, but bitch, she threw that f- in her face. She was like, you're, it's just, it's, you're not going. And then it's just so good. Ooh. And my other favorite thing from that dinner scene that they don't talk about in the original, uh, the remake is I love it when Carrie says um, to her mom, you know, where she calls her a witch and she's like, I can move things, blah, blah, blah. And then she says, um, he, you're the devil got into your father. That's what carried him away. And Carrie says, he ran away with a woman, mama. Everybody knows that. And that is what I'm talking about because <laughs> it gives you the understanding that, okay, this guy didn't die. Apparently he ran away from you. And also everybody's talking shit about you in the town. So you already have that against you anyway. And that's that bit of just like that. I love in there. Cause it, it gives you that like understanding of like, this is what Carrie's reality is really. Yeah. And so, Ooh, that one, that one line where I was just like, mm-hmm, Carrie, read her. Yep. Because that's exactly what it is. Because Margaret lives in her own weird religious world, I guess. Uh, yeah. There, There's another. Uh, there actually is one set piece where the effects were solid in the 2002 one that I liked. And it was um, when Carrie is waiting for Tommy. And you just see as she's walking around, objects keep floating in the air. As she's like getting nervous and like thinks he's gonna be late, and then like as she's like getting like more upset, like more things are just like floating up, and it actually looked pretty solid. And the way that they filmed it was actually kind of cool. Like it's like the one thing that I was like, hey, that was actually like decent. Like that that probably took a good chunk of your budget, but hey, I'm glad it's here. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's again, it's a it's tough to to go up uh, against the not only, you know, Carrie, even back in the day, probably had a much higher budget than this did, probably not even adjusting uh, for inflation. So uh, it's 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 tough to go up against it. But uh, when you're doing like, you know, practical effects are, are expensive to do. So when you're doing it uh, all with early 2000 CG, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. God, it is. Uh, we've come a long way as far as like yeah. television budgets and everything. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's like one or two shots uh, in the gymnasium towards the end uh, in the remake where it, it looks like they're using practical fire uh, and you got like, um, uh, like a, a good shot of Carrie's like silhouette uh, amongst everything. But mm-hmm. I think ultimately like throughout a lot of this movie, just the visual language of everything uh, is just, it's just like, so one note, I feel like every shot in the 2002 movie is either a close a close up or a wide there is like a close up or a medium shot there is like no wide establishing shots yep, like that's anywhere in the movie right, like yeah. everything is right up here <laughs> like every shot is like the the character's chin and top of their head is filling up the entire frame and it's like i, I guess it's supposed to be like kind of claustrophobic and weird but it's like yeah it's just it it like you kind of notice it you're like i haven't seen an establishing shot in like 25 minutes and it, right yeah and even and even like you said like the 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 showing of the prom scene too like makes such a big difference like you could tell they got some like you know unlicensed 
music to throw on in the background for them to dance to instead of De Palma having a nice band and they're like, you know, like they're playing some good tunes and then like, you know, like you could and like, you know, we have these wide shots of the prom from above and like you see the costuming, the set decoration of the gym. And even though it's just a gymnasium prom, there's so much going on. And just mm-hmm. like getting to see that wide versus yeah a TV they were probably filming, uh, not even on a on a lot like in the corner of a lot they had like two sound stages probably, um, yeah. you know trying to trying to make it work. But you know uh, they did their best. Um, but um, before we kind of get into our final thoughts, uh, we usually do this at the beginning of the movie talk, but we didn't really uh, talk about the subgenres going on here in both Carrie movies. Uh, so Jesse, what are the uh, strongest subgenre elements for you? I think the most strongest subgenre elements for this movie for me is definitely, as I stated, uh, one of my favorites is the psychological horror of it all. You know, you're dealing with this girl who is just dealing with her own puberty, her own way in the world, and honestly, like she fucking snaps and so that's something i also think there's religious horror in here as well more so than the 2002 one does because i think the way that piper laurie plays margaret is very much just like a this is religious fanaticism at its worst and that terrifies me you know you know as an atheist person i'm just like yeah no i don't want to fucking fuck with that what the hell um you know so it is in there a little bit and yeah, I mean, I think that, and then also just like psychic horror or whatever. Yeah, anything that has like uh, these psychic abilities, like telekinesis or, or whatever. Um, of course, that's in there too of a subgenre of yeah. you know what happens when someone finds out that they can like fucking do shit with their mind. I mean, you know? I and, swear, and I am still carry just like staring at things, trying to make them moves. I am almost 30 years old and I still believe my X-Men mutant power will manifest one day. Uh, I just got to yeah. do the right thing with my hand or look at it the right way. Who knows? So, Agreed. Uh, yeah, so, I also love an X-Men thing too. I love that the girl who plays Norma in the original, in the um, 2002 one, she's the voice of Rogue from X-Men Evolution. Oh, that that's, a, that's a nice yeah. little connector there. Uh, Garrett, what about you? little connector with X-Men. <laughs> yeah, I would say for me, the biggest theme or the biggest subgenre in both of them is it's a coming of age movie. It's mm-hmm. it's about this young woman coming into her womanhood. Uh, it's that age where like you kind of can see the horizon of leaving high school, leaving your parents house and like finally standing up for yourself against their bullshit. You know, um, I, I think that there's a reason that we were going to talk about this movie in the, the coming of age period. I think that that's uh, easily the biggest subgenre, um, as you had mentioned. Yeah, religious trauma is is certainly uh, a subgenre in this. Uh, and then, yeah, of course, it being a, a supernatural thriller. It's a Stephen King book. You have to have some sort of a supernatural uh, element in there. But I think that it's it's more than just kind of, um, you know, like a weird garnish for this. It, it's really intrinsically tied to the the themes of what's happening here with with Carrie and her body and and religion uh, and all of those things. It's not just like, a, oh, and also like it, it really is a core part of the story and what's interesting too what you say garrett with the coming of age thing because i didn't want to mention that but i'm glad you did Mm -hmm. because what's interesting about carrie is that it is a movie that for the first half of it is pretty much like this coming of age tale and then 
it's the last 20 minutes that is a fucking horror movie, yeah. which I think is really interesting too. I mean, yeah, there's horrors of like, here's how horrible people could be, but you get to the prom scene and that's when it turns into a horror. And sure. that is what really sink me in for sure. And the, the first half is she's all that. And then it, and then it turns, and then everything know, goes yeah. sideways, turns, turns into a horror. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely a, a seminal coming of age horror movie for sure. And, uh, uh we had shouted out in the evil dead episode as well, but this uh, would fall into uh, Molly Henry's category of uterus horror. Uh, you know, a uh, horror about, you know, the, the, uh, tribulations of being a woman or womanhood, uh, but also the the mother daughter connection. I think is very specific for this too. I think it would be a much different movie if this was like Carrie and her dad or something like that, mm-hmm. which uh, also leads into the the kind of religious uh, trauma as well. Uh, and the fact that like you know we find out that Carrie's dad uh, they were together but they had not had sex yet, and then he basically rapes Margaret, and that's how Carrie is conceived. Um, and I would, I, I imagine I'm like, so I imagine before that moment, like Margaret probably was just like a regular devote Christian that was, you know, trying to stay celibate and those things like wait until they got married. But then that event happens and then probably is like what pushed into the full on religious fanaticism horror that we're kind of seeing here. Oh, go, uh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I no, was just going to say that I, I feel like that is an element that is missing in the 2002 one, because I think that sure. like you had mentioned is like. Yeah, it becomes a full-blown horror movie, but I think De Palma's maintains that horrific quality throughout it because of its yeah. leaning on her, on religious trauma and and that situation that Carrie is in of this horror of going to school, yeah. this horror of coming home, arguably like a worse yeah. horror of being home, a place that's supposed to be your safe haven. And, and uh, that's and what's people interesting that are supposed to love it. you are like fucking monsters, you yeah. know? And that's what's interesting about it. It's the domestic horror of it. Yeah, Here's how horrible these girls horror. are to this girl. Here's mm-hmm. how horrible this... Uh, mother is to her child and that is very much the things that you could see in a coming of age tale right and then the it's those domestic horrors right but then if you want to think of traditional horror yeah some girl like gets telekinetic powers and she kills everybody at her prom so then that's like the end of it which turns into a horror movie but then yeah, no, totally. I I can I can yeah. get with that too. Yeah, definitely, definitely very layered. Yeah, I like the the domestic horror because it's not only the domestic within the house, but then we also like kind of you know go a next layer up into like the small town horror that Stephen King loves all so much, and uh and and the religious horror is also punctuated so hard with you know the difference in the scene of killing Margaret because uh like you said, not only does it look cool, you know, throwing all these knives out, but her being you know uh, crucified in this way like of Carrie not only uh in one move she is you know kind of being uh you know her anti-religious statement her anti her mother statement you know all these kind of things and like one one thing so yeah definitely punctuates the the religious horror angle of it and of course like throwing kids in a prayer closet that's terrifying like ugh. yeah, uh, yeah so let's go ahead and get into our final thoughts for the um for the two Carrie movies uh, Jesse, go ahead and go first with uh, your rating out of uh, out of what five five buckets, buckets of blood? Of pig's blood, dude. Five Come buckets on. of blood, of course. Disgusting, gross. Uh, so rate each one, and then of course uh, let us everyone know the one that you prefer, if it is not obvious already. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Um, so I will give the original Carrie, nineteen seventy six. Five uh, pig's blood uh, buckets out of five, of course. Uh, I think this is just seminal classic horror. Amazing, wonderful. Everyone should fucking watch it because this is how you not be an asshole in the world. Um, 
And in terms of the 2002 uh, Carrie, I will give it a, even though I gave it a three on Letterboxd, because whatever, I would say I give it maybe a two and a half uh, pig's bloods out of five. I think there are certain things I like about it. Like I love Angela about so much and I want her to have a better career, but there's only so much that works for me about it. Um, but there's a certain level of nostalgia I have for it as well. So, you know, it's not the worst thing to watch, but don't go into it thinking it's going to be great. And then, um, yeah, so there's that and that. And then, of course, I prefer the 1976 one, obviously. Yeah. What about you, Garrett? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be as uh, kind uh, to, the, <laughs> to the remake as far as ratings are concerned. But yeah, the original uh, is, yeah, like you had mentioned, it's seminal for not just the genre, but also like on a personal level as well. Um, it's still really affecting. Uh, I think all of the performances, especially from the two leads, are just amazing. Brian De Palma, like really i i like he doesn't do horror like a ton but when he does it's just like god he's so good at it um a, a lot of his movies have a lot of tension in them and i think that he is able to wring just the most tension out of these small character moments uh in the relationship between these uh between these people um it also like just looks amazing and the the set piece is iconic and how uh, all of that goes is heartbreaking and just so moving and chilling and yeah everything it's 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 a reason it's like like probably top 20 like best horror movies of all time i would say it's it's amazing so five out of five uh there is like that's very easy um the remake is just like <laughs> the opposite of everything <laughs> like a lot of the performances crap like uh a lot of what the movie has to say super vague and like needlessly gets sidetracked with like a weird detective subplot that goes fucking nowhere harry's alive at the end of the movie setting up some weird tv show that we never got of course we wouldn't uh but like <laughs> also kind of undermines uh, a lot of the horror and the tragedy of the story i think there's like some moments of a good performance uh from the lead but ultimately i just found it not very moving at all and it's criminally long uh so for me i give it this uh, a one out of five buckets Ooh, of pigs man that might be the lowest that either of us have given a movie here on the pod because i mean obviously we try to be positive <laughs> around here but some yeah. things like uh care 2002 happen <laughs> um, I did not dislike it nearly that much. Um, you know, I'll write this one first to get out of the way. Um, the two, like, cause I was expecting so much worse. And I think that Bettis is still giving a, a good performance. I think the, the, um, some other character things do work a, a little bit. Um, but yes, the, the quality is obviously terrible. The adding in way too much that doesn't add anything of substance to the, to the movie while also still undercutting a lot of the main themes of Carrie. Um, mm -hmm. Just, uh, it holds it back quite a bit. I don't, like, hate this movie, um, and I almost want to give it three stars for Brian Fuller's uh, screenplay alone, um, uh, for him trying to make ultras happen instead of plastic. He was before plastics, so <laughs> actually, he, he was before it, um, but also, yes. um, I never condone slut-shaming, but nobody slut-shames like a gay man, and he wrote the line, yeah, I know, or when they ask about Kelly, she goes, yeah, I know Kellogg, every guy in school has had a bowl of her cereal, <laughs> is that is that's so good that's straight up some stephen king bully worthy dialogue right there so i mean like on some of the ridiculous lines in this movie alone i almost want to give it a positive score but i can't 
It's a uh, it's at a two point five out of five uh, buckets of blood. There you go. Uh, Seventy six uh, again. I'm I'm currently in my De Palma era right now. I'm kind of obsessed. Uh, and of course, this movie uh, it still rules. This was uh, the first De Palma movie I saw uh, ever. And uh, I mean, the style is just so fantastic. He's directing the hell out of it. Um, it uh, Sissy Spacek is acting her ass off. Uh, the this, the final scene where she after she has killing her mom and then uh, she takes her mom and they go into the closet and just like let the house implode is so tragic. Like her her face is so just devastated. And even though she could have escaped out of the house, she chooses not to. And like that, you know, like she, her performance is just so tragic. Uh, and the the whole you know feel of the movie itself and um, it's just uh, but it's also like only an hour and 35 minutes and does everything that it needs to do um, would it be interesting to see how De Palma shot some of these other scenes because some of the other book stuff is in the script but then uh, they chose not to shoot some of it so I don't know like maybe uh, if he includes more book stuff could be interesting but is it necessary uh, I think the movie does more than enough to you know hit home on all the themes that we've talked about so um, I give it a 4.5 out of 5 um, honestly honestly I just kind of wish maybe it was a little bit longer um, it, it might be my like only like kind of detractor because I think there is still a little more that you know with De Palma sensibilities that maybe could have taken out of the book to make it interesting um, but you know who knows so sit at a 4.5 out of 5 and a, a, a bonus speed round you have you get to say three things about the 2013 Carrie remake you say three things about it like three words or three like statements you can make three statements <laughs> okay okay um, I, I will need a, a, a bit of uh, time to think of a third but um, Chloe Grace Moretz, um, I, I, I like her work in some things. I would not say I like her performance <laughs> in that film. I think her performance as Carrie White doesn't have, um, enough, uh, like sadness or kind of, uh, a lot, like too much like uh, emotion behind her eyes. There doesn't seem like to be this like trauma behind it. It's not just like Chloe Grace Moretz is hot. She can't be Carrie, but I genuinely don't think that she like portrays that weight of religious trauma super well um i think that the movie isn't also character focused enough it is focused like way more on action and spectacle so it no longer becomes a horror movie it becomes like an action movie um and it also has like some really ugly cgi even though it's probably more expensive than the tv movie i can't say it looks like it looks better but is it good no it's still no <laughs> what about you jesse my three things i would say are that Julianne Moore and Judy Greer are the best parts of the movie to me because they are both really good at character acting, which is great. Um, so there's that. Um, I appreciate the uh, the twins that are in it. They seem like fun and they end up getting killed because there's these twins that are there. That's kind of fun. And uh, third would be, um, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I like the trailer song that they had in it, and that's about <laughs> it. But I, I don't, I don't love that one. Um, I don't hate Chloe Grace Moretz as a character, as a performer or anything. She's fine, but I there's a reason that they pour pig's blood on Carrie because she's overweight and they call her a pig. So I kind of wish that in a 2013 world, I get that Hollywood's a thing. You couldn't have found some girl who has a little weight on her to play Carrie at this point. Like, I don't know. That was my thing, too, as I just am like, I would love to see a Carrie where she looks more like she does in the book. Because mm -hmm. um, that's the big thing, too. I wanted to mention that. 
The reason they pour pig's blood on her is because they call her a fucking pig. Neither one of these people are pig. Like, I don't <laughs> know. True. I'm just saying. Yeah, th- this is true. They are both uh, fairly tiny uh, people uh, portraying Carrie in all three of them, honestly. Um, my three things. Uh, yeah, one does have a pretty good soundtrack. It was a uh, prime indie uh, 2013. So, I mean, we got some Passion Pit in there. We got some Vampire Weekend. Like, it's got a, it's got a fun soundtrack. I will give it that. Uh, two, um, definitely Julianne Moore, even though she is channeling um, Piper Laurie a little bit too much. And also still a little bit too hot to be playing Margaret White because I love Julianne Moore. <laughs> um, but she does uh, at least swing for the fences with her uh, manicness like she is going like big, big uh, in it. So, I mean, I'll give her uh, some some uh, credit there. And I'll also give the movie um, and yeah, Chloe Grace. I love her. I think she's actually I, I like her in a lot of things uh, and yeah but like she she just uh she just uh yeah wasn't wasn't pulling it like i don't know that uh, it has even nothing to do with her appearance because again sissy spacek is fucking gorgeous but she made it work uh you know so it's like it has nothing to do with like the way that she looks it's just like her performance just she's not she's not giving she's not giving carry uh that's about all i can really uh the way i say about it and uh my third thing is i do like the um opening scene that they do include with uh, Margaret giving birth and then she goes to do the scissor stab with the baby and it's kind of you don't know if it's implying that the baby was like telekinetically holding her off or if Margaret was like kind of you know holding herself back it's up to it's up in the air and I think that's an interesting way to uh, open that film so I will give it credit there I do you know what got that, that... me too sorry go ahead I was just gonna say I do remember the car scene being pretty fucking brutal. Like, doesn't Fuck like the yeah, bully, it was like great. crash his head or like you know bust Fuck his head yeah, in Like, it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, you know what gobsmacked me about Chloe Grace Moretz? I didn't realize um, until very recently. She's the little girl in the Animaville horror remake mm-hmm. that is like the the one who says look what Ronnie did or whatever, which traumatized me as a thirteen year old when I saw it. And I was like, I did not realize that was her. She's so also good for her. <laughs> she's also the she's also the the uh, kid in the English language version of Let Me In. Uh, so she is a, a remake, much, remake yeah. three-peater. That's interesting. But um, yeah. I know we had a lot to talk about with Carrie, but we still got to close out with some movie math. Oh! Alrighty, here on the Spectre Cinema Club, we like to end all of our episodes by playing a game called Movie Math. Uh, since the uh, rules are a little bit different uh, uh, this go around this month, uh, we're kind of divvying up the workload here. So some of us are going to do uh, uh, Movie Math on some films, and some of us got to choose which movies that we were doing. And uh, I'm excited to talk about mine. So uh, Devon, what is in your equation? So, so I was originally doing the 76 version, but honestly, mine can go for both versions uh, in, a, in a slight way, um, but, but it's primarily for the 76 version. So in my parentheses, um, I, I, I got to give credit to a tweet I saw a few months ago that pointed this one out. <laughs> Um, and it was just like, isn't Matilda just uh, Carrie for little kids, the non-horror version? <laughs> and uh, yeah, kind of like uh, imagine uh, imagine if um, Miss uh, uh, Desjardins was a little bit more like Miss Honey 
and uh, oh. was uh, cared about her a little bit much. And I don't know, maybe just adopted Carrie. Uh, you know, could have uh, things could have been very different. Who knows? Um, but you definitely can uh, feel uh, some similar vibes between them. Obviously, the special powers, their oppressive home lives. Um, but obviously, it doesn't kind of have any of like the religious aspects of it. But we that's also... what the 2002 movie is missing. It's Danny DeVito. That's what this. <laughs> that's the key. And that's ingredient. what. <laughs> and that is what the 2013 was missing. Even though Judy Greer is amazing, but why not bring Mar Wilson in, cowards? True. True. Ooh, that would have been interesting. Um, so I have that multiplied with excision. Um, a, a few kind of stylish uh, elements of it because there's a lot of dream sequences in it. Um, but they are both uh, coming of age stories. But uh, excision is if Carrie um, was the opposite and like was like she's the one that you know knows that she's weird and accepts herself, but nobody else does. And it's kind of like an inverse of Carrie in a certain way. Uh, there's no superpowers going on, um, but it's a super tragic uh, story. Um, I did an episode with Amber, who was on a few uh, episodes ago. Uh, we did an episode of her podcast, Horn Blood Fire on Excision. And it is a, a very emotional, tragic story, um, but kind of works as an interesting uh, contemporary inverse the way that the 2002 version wanted to be. Um, and so uh, some similar elements as far as, you know, the way that, you know, female body, period, uh, things of those nature. Have that mm -hmm. in parentheses, divided by chronicle, um, because obviously there's the, the gender differences between the two of them. Um, there's obviously uh, Carrie 76 was not found footage, at least that we know of. Um, and uh, so so um, that's why I'm going to divide it. But we do still kind of have similar elements of, you know, the oppressed home life, um, you know, the trauma of, you know, past parents and the way that, you know, affects them. And, um, you know, uh, you know, doing something for someone because you want to, not because you like feel bad for them. Uh, those kind of things. I really love Chronicle as a movie, but um, obviously very different. So um, has similar elements, but also very different. So that's why I'm dividing. So that's my full equation. What about very you? Nice. Uh, what What are you looking at, Jesse? So I have been thinking of my equation a little bit, and I'm so bad at math. Um, so I don't know if I'm gonna do parentheses and all that shit. But I do want to kind of pull into what could turn into Carrie and turn all that in. So I will say the Furies is in there somewhere because they're both about telekinesis and girls like having telekinesis and shit like that. So that's in there somewhere, you know, and also Amy Irving's in it. So that's fun. You know, she gets to have her chance with her powers. Um, and there's also an exploding scene in there, which is really fun. But, mm. you know. I'll say that much because obviously there must have been some sort of influence from that, um, I guess. I'd also say somewhere in here, uh, I got to throw in Friday the 13th because literally they did rip off the end of Carrie to turn that into there. So I definitely think that's in there in some way, shape or form. Um, not the slasher part, I guess, but really. And then also, too, if we're talking about that series, they do turn the seventh movie of that into like Jason versus Carrie, which is kind of fun. But, yeah, you know, do. I also think that there's two as well, you know, um, that was like a really big one that they took inspiration from Carrie of the ending of that. That's so I'll put I, those two together. Okay. That's how, um, I, that's how I've uh, listed uh, the Friday 13 sequels that I like. Uh, I was like Jason versus diet Carrie in my good, yes. good one. Good time. Yes. Good time in my book. Uh, uh, Garrett, Lar Park Lincoln. 
I don't know, put that in there. And then also like, there's gotta be some sort of, I'm gonna put Jawbreaker in here somewhere. I don't know where the hell I'm putting okay. it. It could be divided by Jawbreaker or something. Cause let me tell you, first off it's Cinco de Mayo. And I saw that Darren Stein posted about um, Cinco de Mayo for Fern Mayo, which I love <laughs> anyway. But um, that movie also is in here somewhere too, because you can definitely tell that Darren Stein loves Carrie so much with this movie. I mean, literally casting two of the people who are in this movie uh, in his film, the end scene with uh, Courtney and all that, you know, is very reminiscent of this prom scene. The uh, walking down Fern, walking down the road is Carrie. Like it's just so much there. So it's got to be in there somewhere, you know. And also, Carrie has a weird kind of camp touch to it a little bit. The original one, where there is some funny parts in it. Um, so I think also that's in there as well. Um, obviously, you could tell that I them not good at math at all. But hey. I think those are big ones. Furies, Friday the Thirteenth, in a way. Jawbreakers in there somewhere, I guess. And you know. Yeah, and this movie was just also influential where I guess we could put a whole lot more into this, but, you know, that's my little equation I have. Yeah, plus those two and then divide it by Jawbreaker because that movie has to be, like, an homage to it in a way. Hey, we don't we don't check work around here, so that equation checks out to me. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, but, but, uh, whatever. Uh, definitely some uh, could be a Jawbreaker's, maybe even a little Heather's vibe, but uh, what do you got, go, Garrett? Uh, I have uh, the 2002 remake. I elected to have that one. Uh, so I have in parentheses, I have Mean Girls uh, because this movie is more about the bullies than it is about Carrie. Uh, I have that multiplied for vibes of an after school special. Uh, and then I have all of that uh, plus the uh, Beast Wars Transformers animated series v uh, VFX, which if you haven't seen it, look it up. <laughs> it's about on par with what we get here. Uh, all of that equals uh, the one star movie <laughs> that I, that is in my eyes. Uh, what I love into what I love about your equation is that it literally is just after school special trademark yeah, yeah. Like it's not even a specific one it's literally not just the whole of it yeah, yeah he, you get the idea you know which one yeah that one garrett only has one actual movie in his equation uh, is how he feels about 20 hey, beast wars hits okay it, no it does hit but it does look like a playstation one cutaway scene uh so yes, you know yes. it is it is what it is um, but thank you, Jesse, so much uh, because, I mean, Carrie, a big movie. So uh, we definitely nice. had to, uh, you know, extend a little bit on this one. Uh, where can the people That's find fine. you online? You want to tell people about your podcast? Sure, of course. Well, again, thank you for so much for having me on. I'd love to come back to talk to you guys. You seem like really nice, wonderful people. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> of course. Um, so my show is called The Cult Cinema Circle. Uh, just find it that way. It was going to be Cult Cinema Circus for a minute, but I decided against it. But anyway, uh, you can find me on all the podcatchers and also on YouTube where I just upload the shit and you can listen to it there. Uh, pretty much I cover movies that are considered cult classics. That can run the gambit from horror, comedy, musical, all that shit. And my little uh, thing on my show is that it's my show. I can do what I want. So I'll make it fit if I want to. You can find the show on uh, Instagram at Cult Cinema Circle, on Twitter that I hardly use at Cult Cine Circle, and then you can follow me on Letterboxd at Jesse Kremp, J-E-S-S-E-K-R-E-M-P, all one word, where you can um, look at all the fun, stupid movie reviews I do on there. Um, and go follow Devon on there, too, because that's a fun time. I, I've watched some of his stuff, and I'm like, or I've looked at some of his stuff, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I get this. 
Oh, thank you. Doing doing part of doing part of my plugs for me. I appreciate it. A um, little bit. Uh, Garrett, what are you working on right now? Uh, you guys can uh, follow me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and TikTok um, at Garrett McDowell. Uh, if you want some more podcast stuff, uh, you can subscribe to my other podcast, uh, Scum and Villainy, my Star Wars podcast. Uh, just uh, finished May 4th uh, yesterday, so lots of things to uh, discuss there as well as in uh, coming weeks. So if uh, you guys are interested, um, all of that stuff is uh, in my Twitter, at various link trees and, and what have you. Yes, we always have all the links for everything uh, down below. Definitely follow Jesse's show because I did an episode on the fifth element that will be uh, coming out this uh, same week, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Tomorrow. Boom. Look at that. So you got you got you can go listen to us uh, do uh, a very fun episode on one of my all time favorite uh, sci fi movies. Uh, Garrett might be hard for you because I do uh, dunk on Star Wars a little bit. Uh, hey, might be a might be a did. tough listen for you, um, but uh, but you can uh, uh, go listen to that. Um, but you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco, uh, as well as Letterboxd, as Jesse pointed out. You can hear me over on the Pot and Pendulum podcast here and there. So go ahead and uh, follow over there. But now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.